I wanted to let you know that on Sunday, January 10th, I'm going to be starting a new course called Concepts in Kabbalah. It's going to be on Zoom. It's going to be a live course, a six-part series where I'm going to go through the basic concepts in Kabbalah. So an introduction to Kabbalah, a God and the Ladder Up, Tzimtzum, the Sefirot, the Four World. It's going to be highly interactive and an opportunity for you to really delve into uh, the mystical elements of Kabbalah and really get an idea of the concepts and the words that are used in Kabbalistic literature. Uh, there's a small cost for it, and I really hope that you can attend and join me on this uh, incredible journey. It's going to be starting again Sunday night, January 10th, and it's going to go for six Sundays. You can uh, go on jewishndg.com to apply for it, or you can just look at the Eventbrite link in the show notes to this episode. And now on with today's class. Today we're continuing on what we were talking about last week. We're, we're continuing this conversation on the garments of the soul, trying to understand what are the garments of the soul. And we started talking about how they actually work and how they actually affect our lives. Now, there are, <clears throat> there are different perspectives on mitzvot. Let's understand what, first, what is a mitzvah? Mitzvah comes from the word savta, which means connection. So a mitzvah is a connection between us and God. It's the way that we, as human beings, as mortals, living in this world, are able to connect to an infinite God. So, so it's, it's us doing our best to create a relationship with God. Now, you can, making a relationship, you can do whatever you want to make a relationship. But generally, if you want to have a relationship with someone else, you need to do what they want, not what you want. Like the guy who brings home, uh, you know, a brand new set of Talmud and says, happy birthday, honey. Now, depends. In this group, it may work. <laughs> exactly. So in this group, it may work, but it was always the classic joke as to, you know, he's giving her what he wants, but not necessarily what she wants. So for us to develop and establish a relationship with God, we have to give God what God wants. Now, what does God want? God wants connection. How is that connection established? That connection is established through the performance of a mitzvah. There are 613 possibilities. Each one is a different way to connect. As if, imagine this. Imagine that when you got married, I never thought about this before, but it may be a good idea that when you got married, you handed your husband 613, a book of 613 ways to connect to you. Idea. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a crazy idea. 
Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just thought about it as I was as I was saying this, but I don't think it's a crazy idea. <laughs> okay. But could you imagine if every woman that got married handed her husband a book and it has specific things? Buy me flowers. Connection point number four. Um, you know, do the dishes for me. Connection point number six. All these things, and it's a list. And he can open up the book at any time. How can I connect to my wife today? Oh, today I'm going to do number 27, take out the garbage. And she's going to be... It would actually sell very well. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm with, I'm with Alessandra. I'm with do it. Do it. So this is basically what, the, what God did. Is God made a book, said, okay, look. At Mount Sinai, we got married to God. That's, that's what we know. This, this, Mount Sinai, when we got the Torah, we actually got married to God. And in this marriage, I guess we're going to call it the metaphor because it's, you know, it's an anthropomorphic metaphor. So in this marriage between us and God, God is the husband and we're the wife. In the, in, in the, in the, in the classic sense. Why? Because we see the classic sense of the husband is the protector, is the one who takes care of... I mean, today, those classic examples have kind of withered away, but we're talking about something that's much older than the woke movement. So, at Sinai, God gave us a book and said, now that we're married, here are 613 ways that you can make me happy. These are 613 ways to connect to me. So... Now let's go into the, the understanding of the mitzvah. There are several ways of relating to the mitzvah, to the connections that God gave us in his Torah. There are those thing, there are those people who think that God doesn't really care about the mitzvah that we do. They actually think that the action itself is meaningless. That God is just testing our loyalty. And he wants to see if we're going to fulfill his commandments or not. But for this particular individual who thinks that, they think that the mitzvot themselves have no impact on the world. Which means when, the, the, when she gave her husband the book, when God gave us the book, it was like, okay, I'm going to test you. These are 613 ways I'm going to test you, but I don't really care if you bring me flowers. It's not really going to mean anything. It's just a way for me to see if you really love me. Obviously, the person who thinks this way is crazy because, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't understand why I buy my wife something that's already dead and is continuously dying and it makes her happy. I don't get it. It's, 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 but I have that leap of faith and I know that it makes her happy. Then there's a deeper way of looking at the mitzvot. Beyond testing our loyalty, our loyalty, they are mitzvatot. From the word tsevet, team. They put us on God's team. They bind us and God together. So mitzvot are the tools for tzavta, 
for tzevet, for connecting to God. God is somewhere up above, and we are down below, and the mitzvot elevate us to him. But there's actually a deeper way of looking at this. The mitzvah is not just a vehicle for connection to God, but the mitzvah itself is the connection. Which means it's not like, oh, if you buy me flowers, you'll make me happy. No, the mitzvah itself is the happiness. The mitzvah itself is the direct connection. So in other words, God compressed and squeezed himself into the mitzvah so that in fulfilling the mitzvah, we're actually becoming one with him. So if you want to create a oneness, if you want to truly be connected to God, you do that through the mitzvah. The Zohar, which is the classic book of Kabbalah, encapsulates this idea with an analogy. And generally, Kabbalah has to use analogies because there's no way we'd understand it without it. It says that mitzvot are like God's limbs. And and obviously, it's only a metaphor since God has no physical body. But if it said that God has a kajumaba, we'd say, what? So why does the Zohar use the example of limbs specifically, because uh, there's a, there's, it's not just a, an analogy, there's a purpose for the limbs, because the limb is something that's physical and inanimate, that draws light and life force into itself, like the energy of the soul. So the teachings of Kabbalah express this, that the limb is a vessel that contains light. Just as the human body contains 248 limbs, so there's 248 limbs in the human body, there are 248 positive commandments. And each of the 248 correspond to one specific limb. And these 248 commandments, each one, sorry, is able to draw God's holy light into this world. So every mitzvah we do draws divine light into this world. And since the body's 248 limbs correspond to the 248 dimensions of the soul, with the limbs of the Torah and thereby to God's limbs, the mitzvot directly connect us to God. Where did you take the, all of a sudden, the 248 dimensions of the soul? Let me explain. You thought it would go unnoticed? No. (laughs) Let me explain. The 248 limbs correspond to 248 dimensions of the soul. 
explain, please? Each of the limbs are directly connected. The, 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 the spiritual part of ourselves are directly connected to the physical part of ourselves. It has to be that way. But why do you call them dimensions of the soul? What because the, the, the I mean, you want to, I'm, I'm using the term dimensions of the soul, but the soul has 248 different dimensions. You want to go through each one? Do you know all the limbs, all no, 248 limbs? No, but I want to understand how a limb corresponds to a dimension of soul. This, I don't understand the link between it's the not, soul, which is... It's not our eyes, so it's not our eyes that see, it's our soul that sees and use while the soul is in the body, it uses the eyes to see, for example. The, the animating life force of us is the soul. The eyes don't see. The nose smells? No, it's the soul that smells, but it uses the nose in order to smell while it's in the body. Now, by observing the mitzvot, how do we observe them? All mitzvot are observed through thought, speech and action through the garments of the soul. What that does is the observance of the mitzvot in thought, speech and action unite the limbs of the soul with the limbs of the Torah. So the mitzvot directly connect us to God. When we look at it this way, it doesn't matter if we understand the mitzvah it doesn't matter if we feel connected to it. The primary point of each and every mitzvah is to connect us directly to God. He, God, compressed and compacted himself into that particular mitzvah, into the very physical thing that is used to perform the mitzvah. So by us Fulfilling the mitzvah, we are connected to him. <clears throat> so I think that based on this, we can conclude the following. That the mitzvot are much more than a bunch of traditions or tools for making order in the universe. They are literally godliness. They are a direct connection to the creator of the universe. Any other <clears throat> benefit that we receive by keeping mitzvot, such as, I don't know, nice family rituals, um, stability, order in our lives, they're all bonus. They're all secondary. The main purpose of the mitzvah is that the mitzvah is compacted godliness. And by doing it, we get the points, so to speak. Not the points. I don't want to turn it into a game. We unpack the godliness in that and we establish a direct connection with our creator. <clears throat> now, how do we get motivated to do this? That's very nice. It's very beautiful. But... At the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff that's on our head. There's a lot of stuff going on in a day. And there's a lot of mitzvahs. And I'm not saying that, 
in our lifetime. I mean, first of all, of the 613, many of them we can't do outside of Israel. Many of them we can't do outside of the Holy Temple. So, even so, even if, I don't know, there's a hundred mitzvahs. It's still a lot of mitzvahs. And it's still a lot for us to do with everything else that we have to do in our life. So what's our motivation? Remember we spoke about love and awe? That's the motivation. We become motivated to do the mitzvahs, to connect to God through love and awe. So the motivating, the driving force behind our performance of the positive commandments is love of God. Our love is expressed in our positive actions. And the motivating, the the driving force behind the adherence to the negative commandments or to the prohibitions is the awe of God. Our awe is expressed by avoiding the transgression. So if you remember, when we spoke about love love and awe, which was a profound conversation, one that I still think about, when we spoke about it, we said that love is the hope to unite with our beloved. It's a hope. We, we naturally want to fulfill and do what our beloved desires for us. We want to make them happy. I mean, if we're in a relationship, we want to do what they want. When we like our friends, we want to help them. We want to do things for them. That's just a natural part of life is that if we have a certain love, and it doesn't only mean romantic love, any type of love, if we have a a liking or a love towards someone, then we want to do for them. But awe, fear, or I don't like fear, it's not the proper definition. Awe is a much better definition, like a a, a fear of reverence. I find... What is the word in Hebrew? Yira. Yira. You know what, it kind of um, speaks to me that like in Hebrew, it's the same word for love and like, you know? Isn't that in Uh, French as well? uh, Aim? No? J'aime. J'aime? Isn't j'aime the same word for love and like? Yeah, yeah. 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 See? Je, je so, yeah. Anyway, so I think a lot of languages have that, but 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 awe, awe is is this, <clears throat> or we'll call it in Hebrew yira, is this desire to preserve the relationship, and not weaken or damage it. We have this desire to preserve the relationship. And this awe, this yira, it motivates us to avoid actions that are undesirable to our loved ones. If we know this bothers our beloved, we're not going to do it because we care about them. So... I think with this perspective, it's 
becomes easier for us to understand that awe becomes the driving force behind observing the negative commandments. So all the do-nots, the motivator is awe. All the do's, the motivator is love. Kabbalah goes one step further, and Kabbalah says that focused contemplation of God's greatness also produces feelings of awe. Fear of being disconnected. Being disconnected from God. And on a higher level, concern for not disappointing or angering God. And then, then we are inspired to make sure to avoid doing things. Things that he doesn't want us to do, which is anything that might displease him. That's the definition of the relationship. So we said that there are 248 positive commandments that are connected to the 248 limbs. Well, there are 365 veins and sinews in the body that are connected to 365 prohibitions. By the way, 248 plus 365 is 613. You can do the math as well. So there's 248 positive commandments. Those correspond to the limbs because there's 248 limbs in the body and there are 365 veins. And each of the prohibitions connect to a particular vein. We, we compared the, the positive mitzvot to the limbs. Why? Because the limbs draw in vitality and in godly light. The limbs are, are positive. Where the veins are negative. And this is because their role is to preserve this vitality and keeping it from escaping to the outside. What do the veins do? They, 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 they hold the blood. They allow the blood to, to, to go throughout the body. So they're preserving the vitality of the body. The same thing with the prohibitions. They're preserving the relationship. They're preserving the vitality of the relationship. Sugazunt. We draw godly light unto ourselves when we perform a positive commandment. But when we transgress a negative commandment, it makes us a whole in our spiritual body that enables, and we've used this word before, but we, it enables the klipot, the powers of impurity, the negativity to come and siphon off the vitality of the godly light that we possess. We have within us an inherent godly light. So if we transgress a negative commandment, 
then what we do is we're literally making a hole in our spiritual body, and that hole creates a, an opening for the klipot, for the impurity to be able to enter. So imagine like this. Imagine a person who earns a lot of money and he keeps it in his home. Now, somehow thieves find out that the guy has a stash of cash in his house and they're lurking outside his house and they're waiting for the moment that he leaves the door open or the window open so they can enter and steal his money. So he doesn't suffice with just locking his safe. He's even locking his doors and windows. And I think the analogy here is clear. By observing the positive commandments, we earn and we store godly light. But if we don't protect it by avoiding misdeeds, by avoiding transgressions, the thieves, which in this case are the powers of impurity, will come and try to make the light and take the light away from us. This is why our spiritual and physical health depends on our actual performance of the mitzvot. And this is why a tzaddik, a righteous person who sees spirituality, is able to pinpoint our issues, discern their spiritual causes, and instruct us which mitzvah needs reinforcement in order to restore our health. Which is why we believe that the spiritual mitzvot are directly connected to the physical health. Because the spirituality and the physicality within us are really one. So I want to just finish off by asking the following question. Who's in charge? The attributes or the garments? So in the structure of the soul, it's clear that the emotions and the intellect are loftier. They're higher than the garments. Why? Simply because they're far more united with the soul than the garments are. The garments are separate from the soul. But in terms of which one connects us to God more, is it intellect and emotions or garments? Which is thought, speech, and action? The answer is? The garments. Yeah. The lofty, as lofty as the intellect and the emotions can possibly be, they're still part of the person. And since the person is limited, their intellect and emotions are also limited. On the other hand, the observance of the mitzvah is the direct will of God. God is unlimited, and the mitzvah offers us an unlimited direct connection to him. The Zohar says the following, the Torah and God are one. That fulfilling a physical mitzvah by way of the garments 
of thought, speech, and action connect us to the Torah, which then connects us to God at that very same moment. So the garments become more important when it comes to actuality. So let's just summarize here. With our minds, we can grasp and understand and know God's greatness. With our hearts, we love him and long to be connected with him. We're also in awe of him. And we yearn to preserve and protect our connection with God. And with the garments of the soul, which are thought, speech, and action, we directly connect to God. And we do this by fulfilling the mitzvot, which are actions, and learning, which are thought and speech, with the appropriate intellectual thoughts and emotional feelings.